0: Thanks, Tannis. I love that. Such good, good truth. I love the way that the Lord speaks to people within our body and uh, and then are able to find expression of that and sharing it, whether it's up here or in life group or in ministry areas or just even right where you are at. Uh, that's the body. It's the body life. Well, this week I had a, one of those moments where you go, ah. Oh, That's not good. Uh, My car, our little Volkswagen Golf, had been sleeping in a very deep slumber for a couple weeks uh, during the cold spell. This little car of ours, it's a wonderful little car, but it doesn't have a block heater. And I think it has a little pan heater underneath, or it did, but I think the first winter that we were here was 2017. Anyone remember 2017? 2017. Terrible winter worst in like decades, and I think I I drove our little gulf Over like icy packed snow, and it just like ripped that pan heater right off of there or something I don't know there was things hanging. I didn't know it Doesn't really matter as far as the story goes, but I can't plug it in is the, basically the long story of it short And uh, and so it sat there and we have a truck and we can plug it in have it in the garage everything It's fine, but this car was sitting outside and, uh, and sitting there, not being used. So I thought, okay, this week I'm going to start it up, turn it on. And wouldn't you know it, the, the engine trouble light came on. Well, actually, it had been on for a while. But now it was flashing, which um, eliminated uh, or it, it allowed me to see, okay, there's something else going on. And also I could tell by the way it was rum- running, rumbling, it was not, something was not good. Going on there, and so when I, I managed to limp it to my mechanic, not far from where where we live. And I said, "Here you go, deal with it. It's yours. You got to fix it, right? Because it's it's uh, it's not drivable at least for long where it is at." And so this this trouble light that came on and it was flashing, and it caused me to to think about <laughs> what I needed to do and to act upon it. And so I present that to you today before we come into the time in God's Word, praying that that this Scripture that we're going to focus on today will act in a way as uh, potentially a, a sensor in your heart, a trouble light that might might be flashing a little bit that says, "Okay, I, I need to give some attention to this in my life," and so I'll refer to that a little bit throughout, but want you to have that kind of image in your mind. And then I guess the other thing that I will say is this, this text is, uh, is challenging in various ways to consider, as we often say, I often bring to our attention here, is that the Word of God is, is a mirror, not a magnifying glass. And what that means is that the Word of God, as we look at it, it shows us our heart, and it points out things in us that we need to give attention to and attend to, Uh, It's not for us to look at other people with a magnifying glass and say, See? And, oh, look. Okay, so with those two kind of pictures in your mind, let's uh, let's come into today's text. And we're in the book of Galatians, as we have been, and we'll be for a little while. Galatians 5, verse 16 to 21. So in your scripture journals or in your Bibles, if you want to turn there, and I will read it for us. This is the Apostle Paul writing Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who dwells within us who believe to make things clear in your word, to illuminate our hearts and our minds, to see the things that you've revealed to us in your word. And we pray that you would do your work in us and draw attention to anything in our lives that we need to attend to today. We submit ourselves to you, our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, our actions that will come out of this, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so in this series in Galatians, I'm going to just draw your attention to two kind of main themes, two main ideas of Galatians that we've seen and will continue to see, working in alignment, working in conjunction with each other, kind of running parallel through this this letter that paul has penned now first one we've talked a lot about in the beginning was being justified before god declared righteous by god through faith alone not by works of the law and and not anything of our own effort parallel with that is this other theme of being in the spirit being having freedom and life according to the spirit So those two kind of things working in conjunction. Now, in our our world, I would say this this might be, I don't think it's really a simplification, but I would say there's there's kind of three types of of people. First kind of people are, are those who are religious, and in, when they use that term religious, I know it has lots of different nuances or connotations, but in terms of being religious, being something that you do as an act of your religion, something that you do externally to try to, to please God or please others or whatever that, that you are, are doing on your own to seek justification on, on your own, maybe rule keeping or anything like that. There's, there's kind of those religious type of people. Another type of people are those who are simply worldly; those who are enslaved by desires of the flesh. We're going to talk about that a lot. Uh, those who, you know, we all have a sin nature from birth, and then there's this this natural bent in in the worldliness uh, of these people is is just to satisfy their own selfish desires now that doesn't mean that everyone that isn't a a christian or whatever doesn't have some good in them or some humanitarian purposes or they're not just only looking for themselves but that is that is kind of the way they are in in your natural self apart from god that their desires are to to are self-motivating motivated then there's those who we would, we would say as part of uh, the family of faith, family of God, are born again. They've experienced new birth, new life in Christ. They've received internal renewal, a new nature. As Paul has said, they are free from, from being under the law. And this relationship, as far as being relating to God, not through the law, but through grace and given to us and empowered to us through the Holy Spirit. So those are kind of the three types of people. Now, when we talk about this third group, of this born again or those who are converted? Now, the word converted has maybe not got a great track record or, you know, in, in maybe evangelicalism or it says like, a, you know, con- converted. If you, you're, you know, we hear someone where we talk to them about our faith or God, and they're like, are you trying to convert me? And it's, it's a negative kind of context. You're trying to, to change me or change my thinking. When true conversion is something that the Holy Spirit does, illuminates our, our life, and, and God draws us to himself. And as John 3, uh, Jesus talks about this this new birth uh, that happens uh, through faith. Now, if you think, okay, am I, have I been converted? There's, sometimes we think about this moment in our life where The light just came on and we realize this is what jesus has done for us and that we need to respond in faith to that and there is a clear defined moment and now if you if you heard last week in our baptism tank the testimonies you may have heard that you know sometimes it's not that way sometimes there's a there's this journey it's not like the apostle paul who you know rode to damascus like boom bright light you know saul saul why are you persecuting me who are you Lord? Boom, down on your knees, blind like there's just like a complete change right happened right there. That might have been that might be your story. And that's that's a great story to tell as far as you came to the end of yourself and you just humbled yourself before God and you cried out to him and said, "I need you now and I submit my life to you in this moment." And and that's that's the work of God. For others of us it's it's like i've mentioned maybe other times it 's like the the uh, the morning sun rising all right it 's just like the light has come on, and uh, you know we heard a testimony this week at, at men 's prayer of, of uh, Felix who it was just uh, you know it had to make sense there had to be some things about faith and the Bible that he could explain and make logical sense and and some of us are like that we need to we need to not just Okay, yeah, whatever, I believe it. I want to do some, some research and discovery. I want to see how this actually works. And it's a journey, a progression. C.S. Lewis writes this, he, he says it's like this. It's a bit like if you're on a train from Paris to Berlin. Some people will be awake at the moment the train crosses the border and they'll know the exact moment it happened. Other people won't. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you know that you're in Berlin now, and what matters is that you know that you're a Christian now, and you can know that. And so for us today, when we look at sort of where we are at, where we fit in terms of maybe those three types of people, if you, if you can say, yeah, definitely, I know I am, I am born again, I have, I have received new life in Christ— If you are in a position where you you say well I don't really know I kind of have my one foot here and my one foot there and I'm I'm sorta I'm not really sure Uh, God is gracious and he will draw you to himself but there comes a point where you have to say where are you are you in Paris are you at the border or are you in Berlin right if you understand the illustration it's like if you were baptized being baptized and you're standing there in the tank And you're you're told this is what baptism is about. You're declaring that you're identifying with Christ, with his death, his burial, his resurrection. And you say, well, I only kind of want to be half baptized. Just kind of get, you know, get my bottom half wet. It doesn't work, right? Baptism is the full plunge. It's all in. And so I would say this, put this to you. In terms of your, your life as far as being converted, being born again, if you say, yes, I know, God has made it clear to me, I believe this is, this is what is true, this is what Jesus has done for me, I've received that, and I've been forgiven, and you haven't been baptized, then I'd say, do it. This is, this is, this is how you actually would stand and be, say, I am aligned and in allegiance with Jesus Christ. There's no doubt. Now, there's also going to be fruit and evidence of a transformed life. Famous preacher, Charles um, Spurgeon, yeah, uh, he said this. He said, the grace that does not change me will not save me. The grace that, will, that does not change me will not save me. The transforming power of the gospel, it changes our life. And there's fruit of that. And this is where we're going to be in the next... A little while as we talk about today, we're going to talk about the, the works of the flesh. Spending just time today on that. And then the next uh, seven or so weeks, we're going to talk about the, the evidences, the fruit, the manifestations of the Spirit in our converted life. All right. I'm going to probably just jump over the next part there. But I just was going to refer to, you know, if you want to look back on our, our series in First John... Uh, we talked about this in terms of, am I in the light? And, and, and giving this some understanding as far as, what are the tests? And so, in there, John talks about the truth test, the moral test, and the love test. I'll skip over that, but you can go there and say, am I, am I a follower of Jesus? Am I saved? Am I in the light? And there is, these are the, these are the tests of that. Okay, but for time, I'll, I'll skip over that. So, in simplicity, here's the, the trajectory that we are walking in in Galatians. So we receive Jesus by faith. We receive new life in Christ by faith. In that, we receive the Spirit dwelling within us, sealing us. The power of Jesus dwelling within us. And out of that, we walk in freedom. Freedom. And out of that freedom, there is fruit, and the fruit of that is righteousness and love. This is what Paul said last week. He says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Now, here we go. This, this is, uh, so that's kind of the, the pathway, as we see, the, the, in the, the converted life, the born-again life is, is that, uh, that path. So we're going to look at three things that Paul says in this text. Here we go. First of all, the way of the sinful nature is not the way of the spirit they 're contrary to each other they 're in opposition. so when we talk about the flesh, this is what is what is carnal this is from our, our sin nature that we were born with, and there 's just the, the, the flesh is just wanting to feed itself with selfish desires, and so that is in opposition to the way of the Spirit. The Spirit-directed life. We see this also in the book of Romans, chapter 7. We get this, this picture of, of Paul saying, this is, this is what I want to do, and that, but this is the, the other side of it, the, the flesh that is within me that's battling in my sinful nature, and I have these, these two you know kind of big dogs that are, are fighting in my life. This battle... It's raging within. And so what, what Paul says in Romans, he kind, he kind of concludes that, that part of the text in Romans seven, he says, "Man, what a wretched man I am?" He says, "Who will rescue me from this body of death?" Now, I want you to get that picture. This body of death. This is graphic, parental guidance. Necessary. The picture that Paul is saying is you've got this dead corpse rotting, full of maggots. Let's just go the distance on this illustration. It's disgusting. And it's strapped to your back. And you're living life like that. It's a body of death that is tied to your back. And that's what Paul says, what a wretched man I am. He says, who will rescue me from this corpse on my back? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's how you're rescued from a body of death from this battle that is raging within you of the flesh and the spirit. The victory is through Jesus. Now, I want to say this as we get into this, is that I I have struggled with this um, text and and the words in Galatians for a bit now because in my own spirit, as I've been sort of um, muddling my way around this and I'm trying to, to get it, and I go, man, I've realized as I've had the mirror of the word in front of me, I go, man, I got a lot of Judaizer in me. And if you've been tracking with us, you know the Judaizers were the ones that were kind of these people causing up trouble in this church. Because they were saying, yeah, Jesus is fine, but you also need to follow the law. You need to be rule keepers. And I've seen this in myself because when you get to this in this text, what Paul is saying is what you need is the Spirit, And that's it and yes we have the word of God so don't hear me say oh we don't have we disregard the word we just need the spirit and and hear this this the spirit of God living in you is not your conscience that's different that's another whole sermon but look at the conscience it, it tells you sometimes oh my conscience is you know telling me this is right or wrong your conscience can deceive you uh, you know it, it Paul talks about your conscience being like seared. You can have a hard heart. You can, your conscience, don't trust that. That's not the spirit of God. You're born with a conscience. Every human has one. But you receive the spirit when you submit to Jesus. You surrender to Him. Okay, and you receive the spirit. That's different than the conscience. All that to say, this is what Paul is saying: is like you need the spirit, and you don't need to be under law. And I realize in myself, man, I'm, I'm that guy that I talked about a, a few weeks ago saying, why does someone want to be under law? What are the advantages? It doesn't sound so good, but all those things, right? I want to I have a checklist so I know, how am I doing? Am I, am I a good Christian? Am I a good you know, husband? Am I a good pastor? Am I good whatever? Am I doing all the right things? Give me a checklist. And it also helps me, oh, I can know I'm better than you. Weighs it out. And all these things. This is at work in me. And Paul is saying, you, just, you need the spirit, not the law. And I'm wrestling with this. And then something struck in my heart. And I don't know why. It's been, like, not there before. But I realized that I don't have faith in the spirit. Like, where's my confidence because if it's in a bunch of rules that I can't keep, I'm gonna fail. But if I have the Spirit of God, that's the, the power of God dwelling in me. Do I not trust that the Spirit would actually lead me to righteousness? That He would lead me to loving you. That's what Paul is saying, is that you, you don't need the laws, you need the lawgiver. So I was thinking about this in terms of the, I don't know, constitution or whatever we have as far as in our country or, or uh, people that, you know, they sat down and they wrote all these laws, charters of rights and freedoms and everything. I wrote these all down. And you know how in our, in our culture we have these battles and there's always things in the, in the law, in the courts, and saying, do we do this? And is that the letter of the law, the spirit of the law or whatever? And we, we take the document and we, we weigh it all out and we measure it but it's like if we had the people that, that actually wrote the Charter of Rights and Freedoms right with us, and we could you know, walk with them and say, well, what were you thinking with that? Was that your intent? And like, no. Not at all. And this is how it is with us with, with, the, with laws. If we're just trying to keep a bunch of rules, but we actually have the presence of the lawgiver within us. Okay, so that's really important for us to understand in this this conflict within us. The converted life, the born-again life, if you're in that, we have that, you have the Spirit. Do you trust the Spirit? Do you lean on the Spirit? Okay, then Paul says the way of, of the flesh, the way of the sinful nature, is plain to see. He says, verse 19, it, that it's evident. I don't know. Do you, do you feel that it's evident in our world? Do you look around and say, yeah, there is the works of the flesh. There is this um, the sinful nature is evident all around us. You know, <clears throat> you see in, from your childhood, or maybe it's like your kid that's in the, the pre-kindergarten room, and, and they grab the, the other kid's toys and just start like beating them on the head with it. That's the flesh. <laughs> um, hopefully, that doesn't happen. We 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 have safe place, safe place policy. <clears throat> Intervene. Or, or you know, the other you know common example is our driving. You know, it's just a safe one we can always use. But it's like you know, you're driving along and someone cuts you off, and in traffic, and and you know, your first thought is not, "Bless you, friend," and co-traveler on this celestial ball (laughs) you know you either say it out loud or you think it in your head these you know expletives that's the flesh so it's it's evident we see this that that's that you could identify that's not the spirit the spirit isn't leading you in that it's flesh and where the Apostle Paul is going to go in this text with all these things, it's, it's a lot more than, you know, the child illustration and the driving illustration. He's going to talk about things that are, are utter depravity. That are, that are in our lives, that are in, in the world around us and in us as we battle these things. So when we're talking about the flesh, we're talking about where humanity goes without God. Commentator William Barclay, he says this is the, the lower side, the lower side of life. We see this. It's evident. It's where humanity goes without God. The pastor that I worked with, he often would say this, is that in our in self, in our flesh, our natural bent is to wilderness, not to the fruitful field. That's not where we naturally go. The flesh leads us to wilderness. And so Paul's going to talk about these vices that are common, and these would be vices that were were well-known, viceless, and and things like that, in in a godless, in a pagan culture. So noting that that is what a lot of these people came out of in Galatia, rather than those that would come out of the Jewish kind of establishment, which would be... Um, you know, some of the these things wouldn't have been as present in their in their culture. theirs would be more sins of pride, or self-righteousness, gossip, judging, those kind of things. But these are vices common in a in a pagan culture. Now, um, <clears throat> this is also not an exhaustive list. This is what Paul says at the end, in verse 21. He says, "And the like, or things." like these it's not saying that's it that's all you could probably <laughs> there's lots more we could add to it works of the flesh also notice that this is not a new teaching or moral instruction from paul verse 21 talks about this he says i, I warn you as i did before there's been recurrent moral instruction from paul and this was something that these judaizers that came from jerusalem they would they were attacking paul on this they were saying, you're preaching this, this watered-down gospel, right? You're saying that it's, you know, it's just Jesus, and you get freedom, and it's wonderful, but how are you addressing this pagan culture and, and all the moral filth that's evident in this world? And so Paul is saying, this reminds us, like, like, this has been part of his teaching all along. This is how followers of Jesus need to live or not live. Now, when we go through this list, I'm not going to go through every one in, in great detail because I think that we can, by doing that, we can miss the point and we start to weigh what is here and which words. And some of you use different translations than what we're using in this series in the ESV, but uh, so they'll have a little bit different nuances and, and so then we can get really caught up in that and that's not really the point. The idea, you know, we can say, well, that's, that's the word, and that means this, and, and not that, and where do I stand in that? And that's, that's not the point. The point is, is, as he says, these are evident. They're plain to see in, in our world. And so what comes from the, the works of flesh is evident. So, so pay attention to the trouble code that's flashing in our lives, right? Am I walking according to the flesh Or the spirit so we're gonna just do a kind of a very surface level look at at these and uh, yeah we can go to the next slide there yeah so we're calling this the the evil things and uh, then the next seven eight weeks we're going to talk about the lovely things the the fruits of the spirit All right, so the first, we're going to group these. These are commonly grouped like this. As you notice, the last three start with R. I tried really hard. I couldn't think of something with the, for the first one with an R, but maybe you come up with it, it doesn't matter. But the first, first few, first three, you might have four in yours, uh, words that have to do uh, with sexual sin, works of the flesh that happen throughout in our sexuality. And so he uses the term sexual immorality. So this word, Greek word porneia. And it's, it is kind of this catch-all, this broad term to describe all sexual sin outside of God's design and intentions for marriage. And let me tell you, like His His gift, the gift of sex is delightful as it's intended by God, but it's distorted when the flesh is at work, when it's in control. Sexual immorality talks about impurity. This is a sexual uncleanness or lewdness. There's coarse joking, can include impure speech. Obviously, we're looking at pornography. Are we, not? we don't want to be looking at pornography, you know what I'm saying. This is, this is what it's saying, impurity. There's an uncleanness in regards to our, our sexuality, our sensuality. It's talking about whatever, whatever feels good. There's a, this hedonistic um, looking to satisfy lusts and selfish cravings. Then he talks about some religious things. The, the two that he mentions there are idolatry and witchcraft or sorcery. Idolatry, whatever consumes your, your thoughts, takes a higher place on the throne of your life that God alone is to occupy. Uh, whether that for us today be, is money, greed, uh, power, sports um, sports for me is is one I always have to kind of weigh because I I can find myself it becomes very distracting for me and something that takes a, a high priority in my life um, and and I would say this I'm I'm really almost free of this right now in terms of my NFL um, idolatry and I'm not saying that I, it's a wing it's not a joke but I just the joke part is that my team lost and so I don't really care anymore. But um, I, still, I still have to weigh this. Like in my own life, how much time do I spend on this in terms of that other than time with the Lord? This is where we, you weigh this out. Um, it could be, you know, in terms of, of how much attention you give to social media or to, to your phone. Right? Have you ever um, recently just said, I'm going to have a day without my phone? Do you think you could do it? And some of you go, I know, that's, that's my work, it's my connection to everything. I get it. But how much place does that that take in your life over and above what is God's? talks about witchcraft or sorcery. Uh, these would be things of the occult or demonic. The word also has a, a connotation of, of drug use or, or potions and spells, you know, as part of that that type. These are things that have to do with with worship apart from God, the next group is is relational, or all having to do with our, our contacts with people, so enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy and, and so this is where we see like the, the the works of the flesh in this regard it's something that it props me up and it tears you down. The work of the flesh in these ways wrecks homes. It wrecks marriages. And so I would say this, if if you're seeing these types of things in your home right now, call it what it is. It's a work of the flesh. It's not just, oh, you know, we're, we're just kind of not getting along right now. Is there dissension? Is there strife? Is theres there, is there you know, some people that are just you're causing you're stirring up conflict. You see this in in your marriage, call it what it is, saying there's there's flesh at work in our lives. You see it in your the way that you are parenting or the way that your kids are responding. I'd say this to to those of you that are parents. Lead the way. Do you know that the works of of the flesh are evident to your kids? They recognize it. In the same way, the fruit of the Spirit is evident to your kids as far as how you love them, how how gentle you are with them, how how you are kind to them. All those things, they see that. And they recognize that as a fruit of the Spirit. But they definitely recognize works of the flesh in how you... So lead the way. It's not that you can't be a firm parent. It's not that you as a, as a couple can't disagree, even heatedly, sometimes over things. But if, if you are seeing these areas that are at work in your family in your home, in your workplace, where there's there's dissensions, there's envy. Someone got a, a position and you didn't. Someone got something you didn't, and you see this, call it what it is. It's a work of the flesh, not a fruit of the Spirit. It's not where the Spirit is leading. We see this, these works of the flesh destroying churches. Let's call it what it is. We, we saw this during covid this was a wake up call to churches everywhere what might have been godly convictions people might have very sincere intentions as to however they saw things and what side of things they were on but there was there was divisions there was dissensions there was anger who was right? Who was wrong? But let's call it what it was. A lot of it was flesh. It was the work of the flesh. Finally, he talks about revelry or or this drunkenness and orgies. Paul in Colossians 5.18, it says clearly, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to this word "debauchery," which we we don't use very often, but it's it's kind of this idea of it's out of control, kind of garbage living, excessive indulgence in sensual pleasures. So you, here's what you do: you know, you have you you take your natural bent towards you know wilderness, <laughs> towards selfish indulgence. That's your natural state, and then you add alcohol to the point where you're not at all in control. So there's an elimination of, of decision-making, of wisdom, leads to self-destructive behaviors and also, also deep risk to other people in your life and in your presence. And orgies as far as wild parties, again, just like self-indulgent. All right. So when we think of these things, the question is, with these works of the flesh, is does the spirit lead you into this? Does the Spirit lead you into these things? And we'd say, no. Paul says, no. It's contrary to the way of the Spirit. Okay, third is that the way of the sinful nature is costly. Verse 21, this is the, the big, um, you know, light, trouble light coming on here. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who do such things... And this is again similar, very similar to what we talked about in First John, where this is someone that there is a there's a life pattern, a continual habitual disregard for the Spirit of God. And so these are these are people that the thing that they do that this describes their life, they're without the transforming gift of faith and the resulting spirit. That leads them to fruits of righteousness and love. Paul also says this in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But then he says this, verse 11. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And this is what Paul has been saying in this book of Galatians. He said, There's a former life. That's who you were. But now this is who you are in Christ and empowered by the Spirit. And so for us, as as those who would say we are converted, we are born again, the Spirit dwells within us, are we going to sin? Yes. Are we going to stumble? Are we going to fall into some of these areas? Are we going to yield sometimes to, to our sinful nature? Yes. But a Christian will stumble. You'll be tempted and sin through weakness. But to live continually, habitually, in a pattern of sinful rebellion and selfish indulgence shows yourself to be a slave to sin. And that is one who is excluded from the inheritance of the Father. So take heed. That that is strong words. The good news is that there is freedom and that comes to us through faith in Jesus. And as we talked about last week, he came to redeem us, to set us free. And so today we offer you an invitation to repent, to, to surrender. If this teaching has caused you to see that there might be a, a trouble light flashing in your life, would you listen to the Spirit's voice? Confess. Agree with God, saying, God, you are right, and I'm wrong. I haven't been walking according to the Spirit, but according to the flesh. And you'd agree with God in areas where the flesh has, has taken some ground in your life. And then, out of that, receive this, this beautiful, generous grace and forgiveness of Jesus. Invite the Holy Spirit to do his work of filling and renewing your heart. That's what he does. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, as you are present here with us in this gathering, and particularly in our hearts. We say we surrender uh, to you. We acknowledge areas where, where we have stumbled, where we have yielded to the flesh instead of to you. Thank you for your word that reminds us and invites us always to come back to you. Uh, Lord, thank you that we can live without fear. We can hold firmly to your promise of freedom and the inheritance that we have as children of God. Lord, we look around in our world and we see that there is much work of flesh and depravity and you've called us to be children of light, and so may we we bring that into our world, and we pray this in your name. Amen.